Hey everyone, just before we get into this episode, I just want to remind you all to sign up to the mailing list for the Podcases app that's coming soon. If you are a physician's associate or a medical student looking for an immersive experience of what it feels like to be in the shoes of a qualified clinician, then this is the app for you. We take you through interesting patient cases from start to finish and you get to reinforce your knowledge with an interactive quiz and see how you're doing on a live scoreboard. Sign up now on scrubbedin.co.uk to get notified when we go live. Now let's get back to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Scrubbed In podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. Today we've got another amazing guest. We have with us today Sophia, who is a physician associate, also known as PA, who works in a GP practice. But she's also the founder of Matrix Education, which is an education-based platform for physician associates. Not only is she keen on PA, but she's also keen on entrepreneurship and business and kind of reform. Um, It's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on to the show, Sophia. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's just been long coming. (laughs) Yeah, it has been long overdue. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We scheduled this quite a long while ago and then I think COVID just came along and disrupted everything yeah <laughs> yeah but um so Sophia you're a physician associate yes you said I mean that right. that's a very very new term <laughs> very new to all of us some of us have never worked with a physician associate some of us have never seen a physician associate we know it's a new concept that well relatively new concept out there why don't you tell us exactly as a physician associate what the field involves who you are what the job role involves and where you're basically based in terms of as a job where where are you guys okay cool so a physician associate so not physicians associate or um any other term people can come up with but a physician associate is a healthcare professional that is trained to the medical model so they're trained in a similar way that doctors are in terms of um your the medical model because you have different training types so you have like the nursing model and etc so we're trained to the medical model and we are trained to help uh diagnose and manage patients in a variety of settings Mm -hmm. so it could be primary care secondary care And we're trained as generalists, so once we qualify, we can work in lots of different specialties depending on where we want to go, or we can go into, um, you know, more journalist-type medical departments as well. And I think the profession started back in 2010-ish, 2012, between that period of time, don't know the exact dates. Um, It was, I think, was started at st george's or university of birmingham one of them and then it kind of it's just grown since once you once you qualify like i said you can go into all these different departments so we can uh take a history we can examine patients we can request uh, investigations bloods and even imaging as well the only things we can't do right now is request for x-rays and uh, Mm -hmm. prescribe and that's purely because the profession is not regulated just yet. Um, okay. So, yeah, that's kind of what we are. So how does someone become a physician associate? What's the route of entry? So usually you need a science-based or healthcare-based background. When I 
applied I went into a degree in hu- with a with a degree from human biosciences so if you have a some kind of degree be it you know biomedical science human biosciences genetics you know there's even you know I've heard of midwives and pharmacists even go into it um, so someone from a healthcare background uh, and then you apply to your university uh, with that degree um, as you do with any other um, course for your personal statement etc and yeah that, that you just need a science-based background basically sweet how long is the course it's uh, two years or am i yeah so shorting it no it's, it's, two, it's years. two years so it's a postgraduate course okay. um you can get two versions mm. there's the uh, master's msc or the pg dip mm. which was i did what, what i did the postgraduate mm. diploma um depending yeah. what you want to do okay fine so that kind of makes sense yeah. um and another question i'm sure loads of pas get and i've seen it all over instagram it's yeah. um why pa why not medicine why didn't you want to become a nurse why don't you want to become a doctor and there's like a massive confusion um what was your thought process into pursuing pa rather than let's say nursing or medicine or any other healthcare specialty of that nature yeah i think this is the question that we get on a the most regular basis i think it's like question i get nearly every day um i think I think personally, I feel every PA does it for their own reasons. I, I'm, but for my my reasons, I think it's more the flexibility in the role. I really like flexibility in what I do, and I like doing different things. Um, that was the main concept for me with PA. The thing that attracted to it me the most was also the time frame in the training. The tr- because the training was only two years that was very appealing to me because as soon as I wanted to leave university, I wanted to kind of get out there and work as soon as possible. So the time frame was really appealing to me. And also the fact because we're trained as generalists, so we have the option to change specialties, which I think is amazing. You know, I currently work in GP and I really love my job, but if something could happen a few years down the line, hmm, I feel like actually working in A&E for a bit, uh, I can just make that switch. I don't have to do additional training. I don't have to um, go back to university or anything like that. It's it's the the flexibility is great. Um, and also, you know, we get we get decently paid as well for what we do. As soon as you come out of university, you have a decent pay, and it's because it's such a new profession. I feel like we can kind of adapt the role to what we want to do. So, you know, if you're a PA that works in, for example, respiratory medicine, and, you know, you're really interested in doing, uh, what, what's it called? Is it the, the drains? Uh, the, you know... Yeah, chest mm-hmm. drains. Chest yeah. drains, sorry, yeah. Procedures. It's procedures, basically. You can actually, you know, mm. watch doctors watch juniors watch registrars do the the procedure and then you can actually ask a consultant i want to do that can you train me Mm. up and then i'm sure you can Mm. go into that and you can get trained to do chest strains which i think is that's amazing it's really good and i'm sure there are pas out there that's doing them Mm. so yeah yeah there's just so much you can do with the role the flexibility um the pay it's just why not it's a no-brainer for me yeah Mm yeah i think there's loads of benefits and um 
I think um, PAs are great. So as F1, I had a PA endocrine and she was lovely. Um, and they like, sometimes they know more than the juniors because they ha- may have been doing <laughs> it for a lot longer than you. Yeah. They know their specialty a lot better. They're a bit more clued up. And she was great help. She kind of let me, because yeah. obviously I was F1, gen med, endocrine. She made me understand. She was great support. She helped me out, um, which was really good. And I think, I don't know how many PAs there are in the country, but I can see it kind of increasing and it is like a bridge and they do help out the juniors um, a lot. Yeah, this, I think yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Um, Sophia, have you had any moments where, because you're quite, uh, the, the profession is relatively new, so new to the whole MDT, you ever had any sort of uh, moments where clinicians were very, let's say, uh, not very cohesive in terms less of work or less supportive in terms of working with a PA on the team or any other team members where they're like they were just quite um what's you're not sort of, a doctor yeah, yeah. Too involved. I've heard yeah. I've, I've been in you know group chats or stuff like that where there's always two camps there's like PAs are like there isn't I don't know how to describe it we're like oh yeah PA's just a PA they're not really doctors they don't have lateral thinking x y yeah. and z and then other people like me are like wow PA's are amazing I love you. You know, you've helped me out. I've, I've been in sticky situations and my PA and endocrine saved me. <laughs> so I'm grateful to yeah. the day I die. Yeah, I um, think... So there's always two camps. People hate you guys and there are people like me that love you a lot. So <laughs> tell us about the, the, the latter. Yeah. So I, I think once I came out of university, I actually didn't really have touch wood, touch wood. I haven't had negative experiences. But once... I remember when I was a student, I faced... It was a little bit more difficult. I felt like I was kind of... When I was on placement, I, my personal experience was just that I felt like the medical students were kind of prioritized. And then I was kind of like in the background, like, oh, can I join in that lecture too? And I want to learn. Um, Do you, yeah. So is your curriculum based with the medical students? So, you know, when we have like rotations and firms, are you like in the same cohort? Like you go to the same hospitals, have the same sessions with the junior doctors, or are you distinctively separated? So I think... Um, when the PA role actually started, that's how the teaching mm. kind of started off. But now as the cohorts are getting bigger, more people are wanting to become a PA. Mm. They've have to, they've had to like start our separate teaching. So when I when I was at university, we had our own teaching. We were taught at the medical school, um, but we had we had our own teaching. So we had our own anatomy lectures. We had our own PBL sessions. Um, and yeah, so it's it's separate now from the medical students. But back in the day, it used to be with the medical students. A bit more integrated. Yeah. Fair enough. No, it's good. I'm glad you haven't had the experience because I've heard some awful things. Um, and I like the stuff you guys are doing. A lot of PAs, especially taking social media and kind of like misconceptions, kind of showing how fruitful the role yeah. is, what you guys do, and the fact that you actually do make a difference. Um, and it's good fun. Yeah. Um, how was studying PA what were some of the struggles and difficulties you faced during those two years oh wow um I think sometimes when <laughs> I just think about it it's just like kind of I have like a mini trauma inside me like it's oh, wow. like in terms of <laughs> bad in tell t- us all about it <laughs> <laughs> so I think the PA course and I'm not going to sugarcoat this was the hardest course I've ever done in my life um it's very intense and I you know it's I I went to university I already had I did a degree in human biosciences and I think I did pretty decent I got a first um so it was I got a first in my dissertation sorry but yeah it was 
it was it was an all right degree to do and then when you when you do the PA course the intensity and the amount of hours you have to put in is so much more I remember at the beginning when we had our induction at university on our first day and um, the course director was like you have to put in a minimum of 50 hours a week of studying wow and is it paid do you get paid like um is it like you get paid while you study gosh I wish (laughs) no 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 (laughs) um no it was just yeah it was the first my first year I got um it was paid for the university fees but the second year I had to pay for it Mm. but um yeah we had Mm. you have to really put in a lot of work from the beginning and I get a lot of questions about mm. oh you know how do I prepare for the course and how do I you know set myself mm. to get ready for this course and the first thing I say to people is rest chill because the next two years yeah. you won't be able to um so I just say rest mm, and yeah. relax for a bit and then because yeah it's, it's pretty intense so in terms of studying yes you have to put in a lot of hours I think if you but if you're organized and you're good with time management I think those those skills are mm. so important the PA course you have to have really good time management because there's a lot of content that you have to learn yeah. um I think more in the first year because as you go into second year it's more like you're basically preparing for your exams so yeah, yeah. yeah. um what so what what's a typical week like on the course so when I was a student, I remember having to be in university most days. I remember when in the first year, it would be a lot of PBL or CBL sessions or so problem-based learning or case-based learning. And how it used to work is we would be given a, um, I'm just trying to think back to my first ever PBL, which was I think chest pain. So you'd given you'd be given like one presentation perhaps or something uh, related to that presentation. So the first one was chest pain. And then you'd be kind of split up into split up into different topics. And in, in, in each group, you'd have to do kind of um, that a condition that can basically cause that presentation. So for chest pain, for, so for chest pain, I remember we had a um a lecturer and what was it, a lecturer like a, a facilitator sorry a facilitator to kind of tell us okay so what are your what is chest pain what are the things that could cause it and then we had to kind of figure out okay so what's in the chest the heart and the lungs right so what conditions can cause pain and then we'd each have to present um go back home and kind of learn about these conditions ourselves a lot of it is self-taught and then, then we'd come back and we'd present to our class what we've learnt about that specific condition. So for chest pain, someone would do one presentation on, I don't know, ACS. And then they would come back and present it to everyone else. And then you'd have everyone basically learn from each other. And then the facilitator, the facilitator would add or um, recommend certain things if that PA student missed it but yeah it was a lot of it was self-taught 
and yeah and in terms of now the clinical application so obviously for for us guys we'd spend we spent maybe two years in the lecture theater and then it was all basically placements how did they for the pa course because it's in two years i'm just trying to work out how have they managed to pack all of that content into two years so how do you then um sort of do you get to see patients who have heart failure who have murmurs yeah. who have endocarditis and all sorts uh, do you guys have that all in the same week of your pbl cbl sort of um, cases so each university i'm sure has their own setup for mine it was in the sense that the first 15 weeks was all pbl and all theory mainly around acute not acute more general medicine sorry and then afterwards the next three months I was chucked into placement. So it was a general medical placement. I did my placement in Nottingham. So it was, I was, I think it was Queen's, Queen's Medical Centre and I was basically going to kind of all the wards that I wanted to go to and get things signed off and really start seeing patients of all sorts. So yeah so it's 15 weeks it was theory and then I had three months of general medical placement it was called so I was on um, the acute medical wards I was in cardiology uh renal oh I really did not like renal (laughs) (laughs) renal's renal's very interesting medicine but it's really hard medicine yeah it was it was just it really is hard medicine yeah interesting interesting, or hard but it was just like yeah all the fluids and yeah it's not for me but anyway so um and then I also did some in time in rheumatology. So your placements as a PA, you really make it yourself uh, in terms of what what, what you want to do, which patients you want to see. But you have to be, I feel, really proactive uh, as a PA student. Otherwise, I feel like you'll just be kind of left in the background and the medical students might, well, not really be given more priority over you, but they think they might, overshadow you in terms of the things that they have to get signed off because yeah you have to be really proactive as a PA student on placement but when I was on placement I you know was able to see all sorts of patients uh, straight away as soon as after this after those 15 weeks I was seeing patients in first year I think that's the the cool thing about PA is in medicine is such a delayed integration into clinical practice but it's only once like you're further you get exposed to it. Well, with PA it's really interesting to know that only after like a handful of months you're really integrated and I genuinely believe any healthcare profession the quicker and the longer your exposure to clinical practices the better clinician you become at the end of it so it's reassuring and it's quite cool that you get to get exposed to it really quickly so what were some of the difficulties and obstacles you faced while doing um, the PA course what were moments where you thought oh my days I regret doing this <laughs> I should not have done this were there any moments where you thought it's all you know going downhill you're on the verge of giving up kind of talk us about any of those <laughs> moments and how you overcome them I had so many of those moments I'm not gonna lie we were waiting for that we were waiting for something and we're like oh okay, okay. Um, yeah take a talk about because I think it's what we want to do with the the, the the podcast is kind of show the truth of it. Like give We don't want to sugarcoat it. We want to show, okay, this is the degree. Yeah. It's not all fun and games. There are moments where it's tough. You should know into it. We want to give an insight to prospective and aspiring PA students um, and kind of show, yeah. you know what, you deserve to be there. You deserve to work in a hospital. It isn't like a, a random degree in half the time. Um, so, yeah, tell us about it. Share a bit more if you can. 
So I think the first thing people need to understand is that once you come out of university, it's an amazing job, an absolutely amazing job. You and you're constantly learning like and as like just like you're, you're a doctor, you know, if you're a doctor, you're basically a, a student for life, really, technically, because you're always going to be constantly learning. But the course I felt was very, very intense in the terms of what was expected of you and your um, the time frame you had to pick up things was quite short. So I remember my first ever session on an, a, an exam. So the first exam I got taught was a cardiovascular exam. And I remember just the it was a it was a lovely PA she was actually doing the teaching and she was telling us about the murmurs and how to listen to them and what each murmur is and whether it's systolic or diastolic etc and I was just like this is so hard I was like oh my gosh this is I just thought and then we had to do the whole exam under eight minutes and I was struggling and I was like oh my gosh this is so hard I don't know if I can do this how have I ended up in this situation I it, I just I was like I just found it very difficult it, when I first you know got introduced to OSCEs and um, you know examining patients in general but then it, it was kind of like the more you do it you realize it's like a it's like a a dance and it's just choreographed basically you're just you, you just remember it it's just memory really but yeah I think in the beginning it was just the fact that all these it was just an overwhelming amount of information that I'd never come across before so I think that was quite difficult in the beginning and it was I think what I found difficult was knowing how much we actually need to know as physician associates so where is the boundary where where do we when do we stop learning? What's the difference between our learning and the medical students' learning? We ha- I think I found that a little bit different, uh, difficult. But then, you know, the more... What I did was just I asked as many qualified PAs as I could, the stuff that, you know, we actually need to know. And for us, it's more clinical. Like we don't really need to know about, you know, the genetic components for, I don't know, CFTR gene for cystic fibrosis or something crazy like that so it's it's just like we just need to know like the clinical presentation the clinical management you know the red flags things that you cannot miss that's what primarily you need to know like you have to know as a PA so I think it was overwhelming of information that was that was difficult at first but yeah once you've realized what you need to cut out the stuff that you don't need to spend too much time on then the course becomes more tolerable (laughs) um so yeah that was that was quite difficult I would say and then um I found my OSCE is quite difficult but that's a different that's a different scenario that I don't think that's part of the course I think that's part of the national exam tell us a little bit about national exams what what is that so that's not part of the course for qualification or is that how how does the national exams tie in with the course? So in terms of examinations for PAs, there's your internal examinations that you take at your university. So you have your um, SBAs or MCQs, um, which is your theory exam, and your OSCEs, uh, your practical exam, in university. And then 
after you've passed all those exams, say you've passed all the exams and it's all fine, you then, you have to pass your OSCEs in university to be put through to something called a national exam for physician associates, which is an exam that every PA needs to sit in the country in order to um, qualify and get their PAMVR number so you can start working. So the nationals are an external exam and that's by... Um, held by the faculty of physician associates where your internal exams are by universities and you need both of them to pass and start working obviously i see fair enough so you got internal exams and then you got like a national exam every pa sits yeah sweet so fast forward two years um you've finished pa school you a sigh of relief you're ready to get working tell us a bit more about the the education platform you started tell us a bit more matrix where did it stem from how did you go about doing it? And the mindset, because I'm sure, you, as you would know, is entrepreneurship is a very different ball game to healthcare medicine. How do you manage your time balance it? So kind of take us through the Matrix journey. So Matrix actually started, well, the idea, the concept came into my head when I was at the end of second year, actually, as a PA student, kind of doing my exams. And I, I passed my university exams, that was all good, but I was having an issue with the nationals. Uh, I just, I wasn't passing. So, I, and I just felt like there wasn't anything out there for PAs. I didn't feel like there was a platform or, you know, resources or content or something for us. And the actual idea started with, the app so I was a second year PA student I was revising for my uh, SBAs yeah I was using like past medicine um, sign app and all the ones that the medical students use basically and I just found like I felt like they were fine but I felt like there was also a lot of information that I was kept so am I right in thinking during that time there was no specific revision or question back or education resources specifically tailored for PAs? Yeah. Not, was that the case at the time? Yeah, yeah, that was the case. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So so how was it expected for, like, individuals to revise for exams and stuff like that? It was expected by just using the medical student resources. So, oh, so, um, so yeah, so I, I, I used those resources, and then I just kind of... And my co-founder at the time, my partner, Aaron, he was learning to code, like at the same time when I was revising and he was like kind of just getting his grips around the coding process and he was like oh you know I want to make something but I don't really know what to make and I was like you know what we need to make an app for PAs we need to um, basically make a revision uh, platform or something for PAs because like I just don't feel catered to right now and then he and then I kind of and I remember I then got a piece of paper out and he was like okay I have no idea he's not a PA he's not he's not a medic so he was like okay you need to kind of give me some direction so I got a piece of paper out and I started to draw out um like the first kind of draft you a user interface of our app that we have now kind of I drew it out on a piece of like loads of piece of paper and I like colored it in and I was like okay let's go with these colors let's make sure we need to make this have con- this content in the app and then he just started making it and as he was making it we you know it was constant constant like development and changes and we're still still doing that so yeah and 
we basically how do people so how do people get access to it what is it called is it available on the app store yeah it's, a, it's available on the app store and um google store as well you just need to type in matrix education mm. and it comes up it's mm-hmm. it's the app it's an app yeah sweet. and i think there's a one week trial Definitely. at the moment we'll put for the links free. as well so oh sweet yeah, yeah. Oh, i might check it out as well myself cool i like all these like new novel medical education platforms stuff like that cool fine so with the business um where are you now? Um, how has it grown? What were some of the obstacles you faced? Because as with any business, there's always oh. so many pitfalls um, and it's about consistency. How was it for you kind of being a PA, starting this whole thing? Um, what were the issues you faced? Whew, I think the main issue I feel like, because I've spoken to other medics who are also in the entrepreneurship type field um, and business interests. I think a lot of criticism, main criticism that I feel like medics get is you're a medic, so you should stick to being a medic. Why are you going into business? Why, like, hang on. I just feel like that's a criticism that not just PAs, a PA would get, like anyone in the medical field. Um, I spoke to, you know, I spoke to a, um, a doctor who runs a uh, skin aesthetics and business and she gets criticism about hang on you know you should be focusing more on your GP stuff why are you branching out so it's like I don't think it's just a criticism that I would have got like any any medical professional can get it but I think the main criticism was you don't have enough experience because I started Matrix like not long after I qualified just as a newly qualified physician associate so the main criticism I would have got was you've she's only just qualified how can you be teaching other PAs because we started our OSCE courses around the same time um you're newly qualified you don't have a lot of experience how can you be teaching other PAs um but and with that so how did that affect you did it kind of knock your confidence so I'm someone that's yeah. like I before I used to be like I scare a lot of what other people said. And if someone yeah. were to say to me, you know, hey, bro, don't do this. You're not qualified or like, do you know what? You're not smart enough. If I was in your shoes and I'm still yet to qualify as a PA and I'm developing this this app yeah. and someone to tell me, I would have just dropped it. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> do you know what, man? Like, they're right. Like, how dare I? So how was that? Clearly you didn't. You yeah. kind of stuck to your guns and I've had a look at the platform and it's super cool. Thanks. How did that affect you? So I think what hurt me the most was when it was people that taught me a couple of people that I looked up to on, on in the mm-hmm. PA um oh, rounds are the worst. so there were people that a couple yeah. of people that actually looked up to and were like you don't have experience to be doing this like why are you bothering and that kind of hurt but then you know I have my co-founder and I have a team of PAs that were very supportive and they were like who cares <laughs> keep going like you just I did feel like oh you know people are going to judge me I don't have a lot of experience what are people going to think people are... and then in, at the end of the day like you just have to realize people are always going to talk and whether it's positive negative regardless if people are talking you know you're doing something yeah. and you can't please everyone and you can't please everyone yeah, you can never so, please everyone yeah, yeah yeah so I mean, I think, and that's why when we actually started our courses, the first ones we did, we did for free to make sure that 
we can actually yeah the first ones we did we did for free just to see if we could actually pull this off and the feedback was amazing and that's when we started charging and we and we slowly increased the price we started um really lower and then we've slowly increased over the years we never i mean we, you know we started off free anyway so yeah, yeah. I, I think people have a misconception of what actually entrepreneurship is what it is it's problem solving so you yeah. as a pa felt that look i'm not being catered to how many more pas are going to be feeling like that yeah. the, and the pa market's now increasing in size i mean if there's no one that's going to solve your problems of learning training i mean the industry itself how it's going to be able to support our healthcare system that's going to be affected and so yeah. You're looking to solve that problem. And I think people fail to realize that you're solving a problem that's actually a solution that's actually needed. I mean, it would fail if it's not needed, of course. Yeah. And entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs take that risk of sometimes they solve a problem that no one wants the solution to and they want a different solution. But that's the risk and that's that's the journey of what entrepreneurship involves. And I think there's a massive misconception, which is why we get the backlash of people not understanding why yeah. are we doing what we do think about when i look into the nhs and i start thinking of now how babylon have come forward or these other sort of tech-based healthcare solutions they're solving massive problems yeah. appointments difficult to get at gps and now babylon have come come forward with a whole host of other platforms as well yeah. um so no i think you're absolutely smashing it um, <laughs> Thank you. and i think you should actually continue to grow and support i think you're supporting PAs across the country. Yes. Um, so I think I think the vision is correct, and I and I'm just wishing you all the best yeah. in that sort of. No, definitely. Thank field. you so and much. And I think um, we had we had the same conversation with Tash last week, where it's as soon as you enter the medical profession, like society and everyone else around you expects you to do just that. Yes. Look after patients. Yes. Neglect your own life. No entrepreneurship. You're not allowed to do anything. You must live, breathe oh, medicine twenty four seven. Like, me, yeah. and like, <laughs> and like, and everyone's like, I remember someone said it as a joke. It's like, you know, bro, you know, why aren't you working? I'm like, what do you mean I'm not working? I'm I just come off eight months of IT through COVID. <laughs> what do you mean I'm not working? Like, like society is so ingrained as doctors are saints. They never get ill. They don't have any mental health conditions. They're like these perfect beings, and they must dedicate and this whole thing like you took an oath you have to save everyone's life do you know what i mean and it's such a shame <laughs> yeah. where like society sees us like that like service provision yeah where it's not like these guys you know same as you you spent not you know you, you had to do an undergrad to do a pa degree right i don't think it's something you can yeah, do straight after yeah. college so i think you have to have an undergrad so you spent yeah. what yeah so you have Seven. i think um so recently i think there's been a undergraduate pa course that started recently i don't i don't know a lot about it in detail but i know there is a course i think i'm sure you can if you can google it google it just type in undergraduate physician associate course there's one that started um but yes you you we're all people with healthcare backgrounds and if not healthcare, you know, some kind of medical related or healthcare so, yeah, field. Yeah. Background. Yeah. 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 So I think that's a shame. And I I one of the reasons why I wanted to get you onto podcast was that it's not only are you a PA that's really good at your job and loves it, you also have other interests and hobbies outside of it. Yeah. And it's important we make it a bit more mainstream and people are accepting of it because you are like i'm said an entrepreneur you did find a problem you are solving it and you are bringing values to other pas and i'm sure it probably has done 
uh, a whole lot of good. What advice would you give to other individuals or other PA or even medics that are planning to pursue this entrepreneurship route? What would you give to them that may also be experiencing kickback saying, you're not good enough, don't worry about it, you're a doctor, stick to being a doctor? I mean, that's so sad <laughs> when you say it like that. Um, but I think... But yeah, it does happen. Yeah, You've does experienced happen it yourself. So. It's, it's experienced, you know, I've experienced it. So, yeah, um, I think the main thing to remember is it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard in the beginning. You're going to come mm. across a lot of people that you thought might support you, but actually they might not. So, and you have to not let that get to you. You kind of just have to keep the vision there at the back of your mind or somewhere mm. where you can see it like you know stick a screensaver on your phone something something where if you can yeah. kind mm. of always remind yourself why you want to do it mm. then you kind of just yeah. you'll stick to it and it will it will be hard in the beginning definitely but you know mm -hmm. if you have good commitment and time management skills then yeah there's nothing to say why you can't do say, it yeah. i mean when we first how do you manage it how do i manage it so i have to yeah so you're an entrepreneur so you're the founder yeah right? yeah, so yeah you founded it plus you're a four is it a full-time pa or do you do that as a so i work two uh, well i work three days in a gp salary uh, mm. gp salary salary gp yep. job um and in the yep. other one or two days sometimes a locum as a physician associate as well and mm. the time that i have off is mm -hmm. basically dedicated to matrix um teaching other pas oh, wow. You're non-stop. And um, yeah. I've recently started a YouTube channel. So, nice. yeah. Where can people find a YouTube yeah. video? Let's, so you, let's plug so it. So, yeah, you just need to literally go on YouTube and type in Sophia Hiramatsu. And, uh, Sweet. We'll leave the link below yeah, as well. Because uh, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in self-development and productivity and yeah. talking about how, oh, talking how, talk about how you can improve as an individual in terms of, you know, oh, that's why nice. yeah. you know, being productive and making sure, sorry, I live in London, so you can hear all the, <laughs> you can hear all the <laughs> no, um, ambulance and stuff outside it has, as yeah. usual, but <laughs> that's fine. yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in developing yourself in terms of your habits and um, entrepreneurship. And I'm also kind mm. of del delving into minimalism now. Like I just had like a recent, massive declutter of my life which i'm going to <laughs> yeah. i'm going to make a video about and will be on my channel soon so Sweet. um yeah that's that's me basically <laughs> that sounds good. it's quite cool you're involved this is what we love yeah. loads of interesting cool different projects yeah. keeping yourself busy yeah. um i'm conscious of time and i feel a bit bad when we're kind of taking people's time away no this is fun what advice would you give to other yeah, yeah. no it's good um but you know we can't be selfish <laughs> what what advice would you give to other pas that are probably struggling that are kind of kicking their head and you know they're not doing too great what what is the the light at the tunnel what would you like to say to prospective pas that aren't too sure should they apply should they not and pas that are existing in the course itself so for pre-pas the so people that are thinking about applying to really make sure you want to do pa first um and you know don't don't do it just because you didn't get into medicine or you know you just don't know what else to do right now make sure you really want to do it first speak to qualified PAs find out what the job really involves and do a lot of research before you go into it because once you go into it it's you know it's, it's quite a bit of money it's two years of your life it's very intense 
it's hard to kind of just not like drop out in the middle it can be quite stressful so yeah a lot of make sure you do a lot of research make sure it's the right one right course for you um and in terms of the current pa students be really selfish with your time Um, be really selfish with your time you're gonna have to sacrifice missing a few birthday parties and maybe even a couple of weddings really sacrifice your time for the next two years because after those two years are up you're going to really thank yourself and you're going to be living your best life Mm. as a pa honestly yeah so yeah (laughs) yeah that reminds me of that rihanna song live your best life (laughs) (laughs) no but that's good um yeah i think it's always nice we always encourage people to kind of stick at it kind of put your head down get through it but it's always nice to speak to someone that has done it and that is kind of bearing the fruits of your hard work now and not only did you get to become a PA it also opened up opportunities to become an entrepreneur to enter the world of business with which in itself is super fun as well yeah definitely Um, how do yeah how do prospective PAs or people that may be interested get in touch with you Sophia because I feel like there's a lot of advice you can give that we may not necessarily be able to impart what are your handles for them to get in touch with you? So you can follow me on my personal Instagram, which is at Sophia Hiramatsu. Mm. And you can follow us mm. on our Matrix Education Instagram and Twitter. So Instagram is Matrix and Education underscore. Yep. You can send us an email uh, if you have any questions about PA stuff, or you can DM us and um, myself mm. or one of our team we'll get back to you and help mm-hmm. as much as we can sweet that's great so we'll, we'll, we'll leave all those links below um but yeah i'm sure you'd be more than happy to give a guiding hand to young prospective pa students or anyone that is struggling with the course yeah. itself um but yeah i just want to thank you sophia for taking the time out to come speak to us on a sunday thank you for having me most people thank hang you so out much. with their friends and family yeah, no it's so been a pleasure we've been waiting for so long to do this it's just we've been so caught up but it's been a pleasure and I've, I've got a really good insight into pa um thank you for the support and i'm sure we and sophia will probably collaborate in some capacity soon yay um, so stay tuned <laughs>